Amen. Awesome. Welcome here on this Father's Day for Star Wars nerds. We've got a little something for you there. It's kind of cute. <laughs> We're going to be talking a little bit today. But well, first of all, uh, so my name is Dave. I'm the executive pastor at Mountain View. It's great to be here. Uh, again, I, I didn't get the Jimmy Buffett uh, memo from Alex on the outfit there for church news. Sorry about that. Um, anybody know who Jimmy Buffett is? Sorry, that was too old of a reference. What he was wearing, that was a Jimmy Buffett outfit. Okay, whatever. We're going to be talking about Jesus' relationship with his father as a theme for Father's Day today. And as soon as we start talking about that, I right away feel this need to provide a couple of disclaimers. Uh, Because clearly Jesus' relationship with his father is utterly and absolutely unique. It's unlike any other relationship. So any kind of comparison is sort of doomed to failure, right, in that Jesus has this eternal relationship as the Son with His Father, a relationship that they've enjoyed from all eternity prior to creation. It extends out into eternity, and it's absolutely and utterly unique. Within the Trinity, they are one, and yet they are also Father and Son. But it is a beautiful picture that should rise our vision above our normal experience in life. And so I I think there are things clearly that we can learn, even though it's utterly unique. It's also an idealized version of a father-son relationship, right? And that's always tough when we lift up the ideal and most of us look at our own relationship with our earthly father, and it's not ideal. It's always broken in some way. For some of us, it's broken a little bit. For some of us, it's broken a ton. For some of us, it's broken like medium or whatever, you know, different levels of not ideal. What I want to encourage you to do is as we talk about the ideal, don't withdraw from the ideal and say, oh, well, that's great for Jesus, but, you know, I don't have that, and so there's nothing for me. No, Jesus lifts all of us up out of those less than ideal relationships and within them to a different way of looking at those relationships. And He gives us an experience of His goodness and of that ideal, right? And the ultimate healing we look forward to at the second coming. But in the meantime, I encourage you, don't shrink away from that talk of the ideal. And where I criticize our unfaithfulness to that ideal, don't get offended about it, right? We're just dealing with real stuff so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. I, I wanted to talk about those two things right at the beginning and just focus us on what Scripture has to say about fatherhood and contrast that with what our culture has to say, which is basically nothing useful. Like our culture is totally confused about manhood, about fatherhood, these kinds of themes, right? All we really have is we've got movies with all kinds of fatherhood themes, right? From the original Star Wars to Field of Dreams to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to 50 other movies that really have at their emotional heart a father-son relationship that's broken. And there's some kind of mending in that movie, and it usually involves, involves a game of catch, right? Which, that's really cute, right? If you could restore your relationship with your dad so that you guys can throw a ball around together, that's nice. That's awesome. But that's not, that's not the vision that Jesus gives us of the best relationship we could ever have with our fathers to play catch together, right? There's something much greater than that. So, I'm thinking about saying that, and as I'm driving to church this morning, I'm driving along Kings Canyon, and I see this van drive by the other way. And, 
You know how in a split second something really can catch your attention, and it's amazing what your eyes and your brain can all absorb in just a second of a car driving by. It's a, it's a red car, a little uh, dark red. It's a minivan. And across the windshield, across the top, it's got these huge letters, and it says, Niner Faithful. What does that mean? Well, this van is the van of a 49ers fan, right? It's got these huge letters. It's got flags sticking out the windows, Niner flags. The whole dashboard is covered, as I, just as I see, you know, there's tons of stuff, and I recognize bobbleheads and little squishy toys that are 49ers, and, you know, hopefully the driver of this van's not here today, because I'm kind of throwing you under the bus, but anyways, it's not to criticize it, but anyways, it was just covered with decals, all kinds of stuff, all things 49er, right? And I did not see the driver, but I'm taking a guess that the driver of that van was a guy. Why? Because a woman would not decorate her minivan like that. Women do not do that, period. Just they don't, right? If you do and you actually would, like you're a total outlier as a female, right? You do not decorate your minivan with your, with your favorite football team. I secondly deduced that's probably a dad. Because a guy would never decorate a minivan like that. What would a guy, what kind of vehicle would a guy decorate like that? A truck, exactly. The only reason you would decorate a minivan like that is if you happen to be a dad and you've got kids and that's what you're stuck with. You've got a minivan. So you're expressing your manhood through the minivan. Might not be true, but I bet you it's true. Okay? What that thing was, right, it was a shrine to the 49ers. And as I'm driving and thinking about Father's Day, you know, part of me is like, what is that communicating to your kids about what's important in your life? Your football team, that's what it's communicating. Right? Is there a chance that he was driving on his way to church and his hardcore commitment to Jesus Christ is even greater? I suppose so, but I think that's probably naive thinking. When our culture doesn't know what to do with fatherhood, right? Doesn't know how to express manhood. We drift down to movies and sports teams and drinking beer and because there's nothing else for men. There's nothing else for fathers to actually gather themselves around and do something meaningful with. So the vision today is much higher than that. And the beautiful picture we have is this great relationship that Jesus has with his own father. So I want to read some scripture to you from John chapter 5. I encourage you to open up your Bibles there. From the Gospel of John, I'm going to read from verse uh, 16 and on. In this chapter, John chapter 5, it starts with Jesus doing a great miracle and healing a lame man, and he gets criticized because the healing happens on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. So, uh, in an incredible adventure of missing the point, he's getting criticized for doing a miracle because he didn't do it on the right day. So, verse 16, it picks up after that healing. It says, the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied to that harassment, that is, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath by calling, he not only broke the Sabbath, rather, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So when Jesus spoke, 
and said, my father's always working, they understood what he meant. He was equating himself with God the Father, which was outright heresy. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son, that's him, can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the Father shows him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. Jesus is talking about salvation now, right? And he will ultimately provide that salvation by rising from the dead. And that will be the greatest work, the one that truly astonishes. In addition, he says, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Jesus is claiming his authority there to judge. So a couple of points that we can draw directly out of this passage. Number one is that Jesus submits to the Father. He says, I only do what my Father's doing, right? I'm joining him in his work. Jesus was always really clear about that, that he was in a a role of submission to his Father as a son is to their earthly father. And he was uniquely doing that while he was a man on the earth, right? Expressing the divine nature of the Son of God inside the confines of a human body, living out a human life with earthly parents that he undoubtedly honored, but also honoring his Father in heaven. We're called clearly to submit as well to our Father in heaven, right? And we're called to honor and respect and obey and submit to our earthly fathers. That comes through really clearly in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to read a couple of verses for us. They're fundamental instructions to all of us who have father and mother. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, it says, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. If you have your Bibles open, you probably saw that a couple of those phrases were in quotes, because they're quoting the Old Testament, and they're quoting the commandments. The fifth command is honor your father and mother. And then that command is followed by a promise of blessing if we do that. The Ten Commandments are broken into two parts. There's four commandments that talk about our relationship with God, and then there's six commandments that talk about our relationship with each other. And the very first of those sixth is the command for children to honor their parents, fundamental to the function of any community, any society, any family, that both parents be honored. And today we're focusing, obviously, on dads. I get that the more messed up your family is, the harder the word to honor your father is. Right? That can be a very painful, difficult command. I often talk with people who have those kinds of situations where they've experienced stuff that makes it almost impossible. How do I do this? My dad hasn't done anything that's worthy of honor. It's agonizing. And yet we're called to, you know? I want to scoop people like that up and take them back in time and take them into my family 
and into my home where I grew up. Because I was blessed with godly parents. A dad who was honored in the house. I was the youngest of three brothers. And my mom led the way in that. Always speaking positively about my dad. Never complaining. Even today, my mom's 88, my dad's 85 when we talk on the phone. All the time, my mom's talking like, oh, your father, he's so great. And she'll describe something that he's doing to take care of her. And she's always been like that. She's always led the way with honoring. Taught the rest of us how to do that. It was a strict home for sure. No problem with corporal punishment in my house. But from both mom and dad. And believe me, you wanted to get corporal punishment from mom. (laughs) Justice from my dad was swift and painful. (laughs) But it was loving. I know that my dad loved me. He said it out loud. You know, he was... Uh, emotionally available in the kind of language that we use today. Uh, But he was the head of the home, you know. He gave leadership and he was honored there. And there was a healthy thing. And that allowed us as kids to grow up and understand our Heavenly Father in a positive way and make it not so difficult to learn how to submit to the Lord, right? Because that's how it ought to be. And it breaks my heart when it's not. We ought to learn as children how to honor our father and mother. And then as we come, become introduced to our heavenly father, we just start transferring that honor to him and start acting in the same way that we've already been acting to our parents. When that hasn't happened, it's harder. I get it. Praise God, Jesus is graceful, right? And he can come in and he can teach us how to do that. And he can replace what was stolen by the evil one, even through our childhood experiences. And I really do think the one impacts the other. As we honor Father on this earth, we're able to honor Father in heaven. And honor Father in heaven, we will learn how to honor Father on earth. It's interchangeable and important. And super important that we don't get a chip on our shoulder and have a rebellious frustrated attitude towards authority that disables our ability to honor either our heavenly father or our earthly father. If that's your situation, I'm just challenging you. You've got to repent of that. That kind of rebellion, that just will not work. It doesn't work in life, and it won't work in your spiritual life. It's not easy to submit. I get that. It's not easy to honor, but man, it's the only way to live. Number two, the father loves the son. The father loves Jesus, his son, right? He says that Jesus says out loud, I know the Father loves me. And the Father said it to Jesus out loud a couple times. We have these two accounts in the life story of Jesus, one at the end of his baptism and one on the transfiguration, the story on the top of the mountain where he reveals himself in his glory. And I'd love to talk about those stories, but just take my word for it, two stories. And at both of those moments, a voice from heaven speaks, and it's the voice of the Father And if you know the stories at all, you know that what he says at both those times is very similar. He says, this is my son whom I love, or this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Really short, really compact, right? But just powerful words of blessing from the Father, right? This is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. So Jesus gets that out loud public blessing from his Father twice, at least during his ministry, twice that we know him, in addition to that ongoing fellowship and prayer that he would have experienced, right? 
We have a powerful capacity to do that as fathers. When I was with an organization called Youth with a Mission after I graduated from high school, it was kind of a six-month discipleship environment, a great opportunity to serve and grow spiritually, and we had to have some speakers come and teach us, and one of the things they taught about was, was you know, extending forgiveness to hurts in our past, he, uh, forgiving family members that had hurt us. And, and so we're having this prayer time, and we're being led, and, you know, kind of reach out your hands and, you know, picture your parents, and, I mean, we're, you know, we're going to pray and ask you, you're going to forgive them for how they've hurt you. And uh, so, you know, I'm following along. I'm like 18 years old. And I mean, people start crying and wailing, and they're pouring out their hearts. And I'm like, uh, uh, I kind of like my parents, Lord. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> like, I just, you know, my parents were awesome, and I didn't have anything to confess. And I was just like, I hadn't been around people to understand how other folks felt about their relationship with their parents. It was really an eye-opener for me. And of course, you know, I'm walking away going, wow, I'm super blessed. Like, I'm not in denial, right, God? No, I don't think I am. Yeah, no, I'm super blessed (laughs) that I have this great relationship with mom and dad because they spoke those kinds of words of blessing over me as well. Well, I have opportunity to bless you as fathers, but I just want to challenge you as dads. Those words of simple affirmation, you know, I love you, I'm so happy that you're my son, you're my daughter, those kinds of words, when they come from dad, they're just gold, right? And think about how simple it was, right? Jesus' words, this is my son. Well, that's pretty obvious, Maybe you need to do that in a public setting when the kids come up and you introduce your kids and you go, this is my son but in a way that's like, I'm really proud, this is my son, you know? Not this is my son who gets straight A's in school, or this is my son who's a star athlete, or this is my daughter who's this or that, you know what I'm saying? Just by virtue of the fact that this is my child, I'm beaming with pride already because of our relationship. Great words of blessings that we can bestow as dads. Third, Jesus sacrificed his life as his father directed, right? Jesus sacrificed his life Jesus talks about this amazing work that he's going to do that will astonish everybody, and it's the work of dying on the cross for our sins, sacrificing his perfect life for us so that we can be set free from sin, and then being raised from the dead in power so that we can follow him in this new life and actually live differently in this world and have hope for new life in the next, right? That's the gospel in a nutshell. And it all flows out of Jesus being willing to lay down his life, sacrifice it for his Father's purposes. And they were in agreement on this, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in agreement on the plan of salvation. It was conceived before any of us were conceived, that they would do this together, and the Son willingly submitted and did the actual physical sacrifice that was required. That's our good news Dads, that's how we are supposed to lead. We're supposed to lead through sacrificial, right, giving of our lives for our families. That's the kind of leadership we're meant to exercise in this world. And it's not just the sacrifice of working really hard, (laughs) right? I joked in the first service that my my first uh, point in the outline is not what Jesus says, my father is always working, (laughs) 
Uh, for some of you, that's all you can think about when you were a child. Dad was always gone. Now look, dads need to, to, to work to care for their families, right? They need to work hard. It's good. Sometimes they sacrifice that time with their family because work demands it. It's a, it's a necessary thing. But that's not a legacy, right? I was a, my dad was a really hard worker. That's not a legacy to leave to your kids, right? But it's a necessary thing that we do. But the sacrifice is meant to be of a spiritual nature, right? That we de- lay down our lives as dads spiritually for our families, for our children, so that they can know the priority of following the Lord. You know, I was thinking about, the, you know, the, again, that van, right? That van, that was, that was a symbolic shrine to what was truly important in a person's life, a football team. What in your life communicates what's truly important in your family? As dad, is it clear that following the Lord Jesus is number one and that everything else is number two? Is that clear or isn't it? Only you know that. But man, to soul search a little bit as dads, that's a great thing to do. We lay down our lives by making space for our families to pray together, to pray out loud with our kids, to teach them that, to read Bible stories to them when they're small, teach them the value of reading Scripture as they grow older, having ethical discussions discussions about how do we as Christians decide what's right and wrong from the Word of God, and teaching our kids that way, modeling that behavior, making corporate worship on Sundays a priority. There will be tough sacrifices that you need to make in order to make that a reality. But it's what we're called to do, and again, it's really the only way. Number four, Jesus exercised his Father's authority. Jesus exercised his Father's authority. He did that through healing, through the way he taught, the way he delivered people, the way he preached the message, the way he challenged people to follow him. Right? He exercised a tremendous authority in all that he said and did. And again, it's unique in a way because he's the Son of God. And yet we're also called as fathers to give spiritual leadership in our homes. And so there is this unique gift of authority that a father's given on an earthly level. I've got three kids. I've uh, got a couple of pictures of them. I'll just show you the first one. There's, that's when they were young. So sometime back then... We were having this discussion at home. I don't know how it came up. It doesn't really matter. But, but we were asking them, my wife Connie and I, you know, so, um, you know, who, who gets upset more often? Or, you know, who are you more concerned about getting angry at you in the house? And all three of them right away like, oh, dad, you know, no question about it. And I was kind of indignant. I was kind of like, what? Mom gets upset at you way more often than I do. I hardly ever do. And yet you're more concerned about me getting upset? I was just like, how come mom's getting off so easy? And uh, Connie didn't deny it. She, was, she thought like, oh, this is really interesting because, yeah, it's definitely me more often. I mean, it's no, it's no surprise Connie's spending more time with them while I'm at work and stuff. So, uh, But anyways, I was just like, I'm kind of offended. Like, what? I don't, I don't do that that much. And, you know, as I'm talking out loud to myself, I'm just like, this is so stupid. What am I going to blame my kids for not understanding me properly? <laughs> you know, I'm the dad for crying out loud. Grow up. Anyways, what really became clear as we have a little conversation, right, is that, you know, when mom gets upset and raises her voice and, you know, the, the kids get a little bit nervous. Whoa, you know, mom's upset. When dad gets upset, even just a little bit, 
fear. Oh man, they're just like, they're scared. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay, I need to own that. I need to own the fact that just a little bit of escalation of anger from me right away sends my kids through the roof. Why? Because the authority of dad, right? It's just more intimidating. I'm bigger, I'm louder, I'm whatever at that small age. And I needed to own that and say, wow, I have to be super careful for how I utilize authority, especially when I'm utilizing authority in a disciplinary way. Because there are times when dad does need to be upset, right? And things need to be made right. But how we do that as dads, we have to be so careful because it's so easy to injure and abuse and scare our kids. So they've grown up okay. Here's another picture. That's them last year. They, they're reasonably well adjust, adjusted. Uh, nobody's in therapy currently, so that's good. So we're... Uh, we're okay. But let's exercise that authority well. It makes a difference, right? Study after study sociologically shows that when there's a father present in the home, right, there's stability, there's security, there's a rising affluence, there's success in the children's lives. And for every childhood problem, right, whether it's poverty, mental health, drug use, prison, crime, every kind of negative statistic like that, the number one correlator is no father present in the home. Number one. Every time they do a study. And every time they do a study, it makes it the newspaper, and everybody's like, oh, the importance of fatherhood, oh, how did we not know this? You know, it's just like, well, we've always known it, but nobody wants to talk about it, right? The fact that when dad's absent, Everything else starts to tank. And this, this isn't to pile on single moms, right? If you're a single mom, you're going, yeah, amen. Like, you know, I need help. Dads, we have to be present. It's the most powerful influence for our kids' lives. It's an incredibly powerful influence for other kids' lives, right? I don't want to just talk to dads because all of us, especially men, we have an opportunity to have a fatherly role in a lot of people's lives. Whether you're teaching Sunday school, right, and you're a male role model in that classroom. Whether you're a youth sponsor, and some of you, you don't even know what that is. You need to join the youth ministry and be an adult there hanging out with teenagers who have no positive influence in their lives and who need someone like you just to be there to hang out and be a dad to them. You might have nieces and nephews that you have to play that role in, right? You're a stepfather. I mean, there's all these other situations, non-biological, but nevertheless, doing the activity of fathering. They make such an impact in the world. We invite the worship team to come on up. We want to conclude with a song. And uh, I'm just going to ask, usually we all stand, but don't. I'm just going to ask dads to stand up. I want to pray a blessing over you. So if you're, if you're a biological dad, I want you to get you to stand up. Now, if you're a stepfather, I want you to stand up. If you play a dad role in somebody's life, it might be like as an uncle, again, it might be like a youth sponsor, stand up. You know if you're doing that. I want to encourage you to do that. And we want to pray a blessing on you as a church with the hopes, right, that we will all as men be blessers, those who go out and do that. So for the rest of us, just stretch out your hand to the men that are around you and let's pray for them. Men, open up your hands to receive the blessing. Father, we thank you that you are the perfect father. You're the perfect example of how to lead.
perfect example of how to exercise authority, of how to love, how to care, how to sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you for being the perfect example of how to surrender and submit to fatherly authority. You are the perfect son. We love your perfections, Father and Son. And we praise you, Holy Spirit, for one being the one who empowers us to join in that and in a small way live out that kind of relationship on this earth. And for these dads, Father, I pray that you would pour out fresh blessings of love and care for the children that they watch over in their lives. Give them fresh, fresh capacity to exercise their authority in a loving, compassionate, gracious way that builds up their children. Bless them fresh with words of blessing that they can speak, opportunities even today to speak into their children's lives and to bless and build them up. We pray for strength and courage as the evil one seeks to tear them down or fill them full of doubt or hurt from their own pasts. Help them to release that to you. Father, set us free from abusive situations that have haunted our pasts, for shortfalls of fathers that have not lived up to their role as they should have. We let them go. We set them free. And we ask your spirit to fill us fresh and empower us. In Jesus' name.